Shalom, and welcome back to another episode of Ezra International's It's All About the Aliyah. You know, for over 25 years now, Ezra International has been helping the poorest of the poor Jewish people make it home to the land of Israel, the land of their promise. Hi, I'm your host, Gary Cristofero, and today we're going to be doing another country profile. You know, I believe there are no shortages of countries that we can highlight thanks to the historic migration of the Jewish people over the years, over the centuries. And, you know, I just want to remind us all that these are things that God prophesied, told us would happen. And I want to go to the words of Jeremiah the prophet in verse, uh, in chapter 16, verse 14. Listen, therefore, behold, the days are coming, says the Lord that it shall no longer be said, the Lord lives who brought up the children of Israel from the land of Egypt. But the Lord lives who brought up the children of Israel from the land of the north and from all the lands where he had driven them. For I will bring them back into their land, which I gave to their fathers. Now, I want to ask you a, 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 a question. What would be the greater miracle bringing a people from one country to another or scattering them to the four corners of the earth and then finding them one by one, family by family, and bringing them back after being out of the country for 2,000 years. I submit to you that I believe we're living in the greater miracle, the day of the greater miracle, as Jeremiah prophesied and said that there would come a day where we would be talking about the exodus of Egypt. We're going to be talking about the regathering of God's people from the four corners of the earth. And that is the day that we're living in. I also want to say that Jeremiah obviously made this this prophecy under the inspiration of the Holy Spirit. But he, you know, he would never contradict the word of God that was already written, the Torah. In Deuteronomy chapter uh, 30, verse 4, we read the same thing. Moses, God, God speaks to Moses, tells the Israelites that even before they've stepped one foot in the land of Israel, that there was going to come a day that God would scatter them. But then he also reminds them of the promise that they would come home. Verse 4 of chapter 30 says, If any of you are driven out of the farthest parts under heaven, from there the Lord your God will gather you, and from there he will bring you. Then the Lord your God will bring you to the land which your fathers possessed, and you shall possess it. He shall, pro- he shall prosper you and multiply you more than your fathers. And the Lord God will circumcise your heart and the hearts of your descendants to love the Lord your God with all your heart and with all your soul that you may live. And this is an incredible promise made uh, 3,500 years ago. And then we see a prophecy made 2,700 years ago by the prophet Jeremiah. And then we need to understand that we're living in the generation that these prophecies were, 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 were about. We're, we're the blessed generation to see the fulfillment of all these things. That should excite every believer. It excites me, and I know that it, there's nothing um, more that I want to do than to participate in, the, in God's uh, purposes for our generation. Today, we're going to be talking about the country of Belarus. Belarus, like many of the former Soviet Union countries, gained its independence in 1991. Um, 
but unfortunately, in 1994, a man named Alexander Lukashenko took over and has been running Belarus uh, more like a dictatorship ever since. In fact, at the time of this filming, there is a protest going on against him because of what appears to be a corrupted election. Now, we're going to see how that plays out over the course of the next few weeks. Uh, will Russia get involved? Will they support him? Will the EU get more involved? They've already condemned that which is going on. Uh, it's going to be a struggle. It's going to be a struggle for the people. And um, we'll, we will see. But all we do know is that the Jewish people uh, are caught up in the middle of it and always seem to be when it comes to countries like this. In fact, the Jewish presence of, uh, in Belarus has, has been there. They've been there since the 1300s. Now, it has been a rocky, rocky road, just like it has been for most of the countries in this region. And, you know, by the 1400s, they were expelled from the country. But as fate would have it, they came back. They were allowed back, permitted to come in, but in the midst of a lot of anti-Semitism. They, they have been there ever since. Uh, by the mid-1700s, there were almost 63,000 Jewish people living in the region we now know as Belarus. It was then called Belarusia. It was part of the Russian Empire. And in 1791, the Russian Tsar, Catherine the Great, decided that she was going to, to consolidate the Jewish population into one region of the, the, of the Russian Empire. It was in the western portion. It became known as the Pale of Settlement. Now, if you can make out the map to my left here, the, the blue line that circles the Pale of the Settlement uh, shows what it looked like then. And then the gray uh, borders are uh, the countries that exist today and how, it, how it's laid over that. And I'll, I'll tell you what it looks like. It includes parts of the country of Moldova, parts of Ukraine and Poland, and all of current Lithuania and Belarus today. Uh, so this, if you've heard that expression before, pale of settlement, this is what it's all about, a, a consolidation of the Jewish people in the Roman Empire at the time. And by 1897, there were over 725,000 Jews living in just that region that we know as Belarus today. And so this is why the population grew. It represented about 50% of the population of that region at the time. Okay, so as I said, the, the region suffered um, a lot of turmoil, as you know, in, in this area over the, over the centuries. And between the 14th century and World War I, um, this re Belarus took on uh, uh, were, or was taken by different empires over over a course of time. The Polish-Lithuanian Commonwealth uh, for a while, and then the Russian Empire, uh, and then you know, of course, later gained its independence. But there was there's always been turmoil, and the Jewish people always paid the price. And in fact, in World War One the Jewish people were attacked by both invading armies uh, in that region. But nothing can compare to the horrors of World War II and the Holocaust. When the Nazis marched into this region, like they did in other countries, they gathered the Jewish people out of the towns, the cities, the villages, 
gathered them together into ghettos. In fact, there were some 250 ghettos set up in Belarus. The largest one was in Minsk, the capital, and there were over 100,000 Jewish people trapped in ghettos, uh, or in, in that ghetto, in Minsk, and then uh, up to 900,000 Jewish people throughout the region. That was just the least of their problems because once the killing started, it did not end until the 900,000, up to 900,000 Jewish people had been slaughtered at the hands of the Nazis. You know, uh, of, the, of the 6 million Jews of the Holocaust, which is almost impossible to wrap our minds around, 6 million and over a million of them were children, almost a million or 900,000 were from Belarus. That was 90% of the Jewish population in this region. Can you imagine? It's, it's, it's so difficult to, to in, a, in, in our rational minds, to, to wrap our heads around that. You know, last year, uh, there was a building site that discovered a, a killing field. There was an article written by Sarah Rainsford in the BBC News about the city of Brest in Belarus. And as they were building this or digging this foundation for this building, they found uh, pits, killing fields of, of the Jewish people right there in the city. Now, most of them had been marched outside of the city, but many were killed there. And the pictures that you can see on the screen right now are pictures of those uh, the family members had, had uh, recorded the deaths of these people in, in Brest, Belarus. And they had pictures of them. And if you can see their eyes, you can see their, their, their love for one another, they, this mother and child, this husband and wife and sister. These were individuals that could be living today in Belarus. These are, take away the, the black and white and the, the faded photos and the, the, you know, the styles of their clothes. These are Jewish people who are trying to go about their lives then, and there are Jewish people who are trying to go about their lives today in Belarus. And we cannot allow this to happen again. We have to help these, these people uh, from suffering the same fate. You know, many, most, were marched out of Brest, and they were taken on freight trains about 100 kilometers or 62 miles outside of the city to a place called Brnea Gora. And thousands were led to the edge of a pit. And just like they were in Babiar, Kiev, Ukraine, they were, they were shot from behind, gunned down in, in, in their prime and, and, f and buried uh, into these pits, these killing pits. Men, women, and children slaughtered at the hands of this Nazi machine. And, you know, I, I just can't imagine um, going before God and saying, I was just following orders. I, I don't, I thank God that I did not have to make that choice then, but these individuals um, chose to, to follow their orders rather than their conscience and slaughter these innocent men, women, and children. The only way that any survived from Belarus, or if they joined the anti-German partisans, or they fought in the Soviet army. But 90% did not make it. There's a Holocaust museum in Brest, and there there's a register, a city register that was kept by the Germans. 
And on October 15, 1942, it recorded 17,893 Jews in Brest. That same register, the next day, had that entire population cross through with a pen. 17,893 wiped out in a day. They crossed them off as if they were just a number on a register. You know, I coined a phrase a number of years ago that I said, we cannot truly say never again, as long as Jewish people are living in notoriously anti-Semitic countries. We have to do something. We have to act so that never again becomes a reality and not just a slogan. We are in Belarus. We are in other countries that are just as anti-Semitic, and we have to act. We're going to pause right here for a moment. Let that, let that, uh, mull that over, ponder uh, what I just spoke to you for a moment. And uh, we're going to go to a commercial and we'll come back and talk about Belarus today. But let's pause here. We'll be right back. See, I will bring them from the land of the north and gather them from the ends of the earth. Among them will be the blind and the lame, expected mothers and women in labor. A great throng will return. Jeremiah 31.8 Ezra International has helped thousands, like Olin the Blind from Ukraine and Giergu from Hungary. Little Vadim, who is going blind, is now getting the help he needs in Israel, thanks to Ezra International. Jewish families around the world hear the call to return to their homeland. Their prophets foretold long ago that the return to Israel in our time would be a miracle and it is greater even than the exodus from Egypt under Moses. The prophets also foretold another calling for our time, to the Gentiles, to those of us from among the nations. It is a call that Ezra International responds to each and every day by providing humanitarian aid to impoverished Jewish families. You can answer that call too. A gift of only $30 per month for a year can help Ezra International and return a poor Jewish person, restoring them to the land of their promise. Call the number below or visit EzraInternational.org and give your gift of hope today. Okay, before the break, I was talking about the Nazi register that showed how many Jewish people were slaughtered in a single day in the region, in, in Belarus, in the city of Brest. Today, Belarus is a population, uh, or a, a country with a population of almost nine and a half million people. And of that nine and a half million, almost half are of the Russian Orthodox Church. And sadly, the Russian Orthodox Church is a replacement theology type church. It is very anti-Semitic. And as I was saying before the break, we have to act. We have to we have to be there to help Jewish people get out of this region. Uh, almost 41% of the people have no faith whatsoever, and I, I, I would worry about where they're coming from. But the Jewish population in the in Belarus ranges between 10 and 25,000. So maybe seemingly small numbers compared to maybe other countries, but God knows where every one of the least of these are. 
And that is still a significant amount of Jewish people. And, you know, Israel has full diplomatic relations with Belarus. They have an embassy in the capital in Minsk. And this is where we have to make sure that we can get Jewish people to go through their consulate visits and, and help them make Aliyah. Ezra International has been in Belarus for a number of years now, and we have been accounting the numbers uh, from our teams in Russia. See, our, our teams in Russia have been working through Belarus to help the Jewish people there. So the numbers of Jewish people we've helped have been accounted for through the Russian numbers. So I won't give you a specific number today of how many have we've already helped, though it's been hundreds. Uh, I can tell you, though, that 188 new applications have come from Belarus and they're waiting for help. They're waiting to make Aliyah. And that's where we're concentrating uh, today, mainly because of the level of poverty. The level of poverty in this country is so high uh, that we, we need to, to, to do something, especially those who live outside the capital. You know, there's anti-Semitism and very extreme poverty. I'll give you an example. I would, uh, the, average, the average wage in the country is the equivalent to about $200 a month in U.S. dollars. Can you yourself, can you think about, can you imagine living on $200 a month? But that is what the average Belarusian uh, individual is living on. Belarus, Belarusia, it has been called for many years. Uh, these individuals are, the, are among the poorest of the poor. And I think, I, I think it's a good time to remind us all about what, what God has said about taking care of the least of these, uh, his brethren. And I want to start by giving you the context of the words of Jesus. We're, we're going to look at a moment at Matthew 25. But I want to remind you of the context of that judgment. Joel chapter 3, verses 1 and 2. Joel speaks of a day that we can speak with confidence is today. He says, Behold, in those days and at that time when I bring back the captives of Judah and Jerusalem. Okay, we are witnessing in our day the, bringing, the, the, the return of the captives from the four corners of the earth back to Judah, back to Jerusalem. And then he goes on to say, because sometime after this, he says, I will gather all nations and bring them down to the valley of Jehoshaphat, and I will enter into judgment there on account of my people, my heritage, Israel, whom they have scattered among the nations, and they have divided my land. Now, we know the division of the land has been a part of the peace process for, for many years, still something that people think about today. And we know that they've been scattered among the nations. And he says the judgment with them, speaking of the nations, will be on account of my people, my heritage, Israel. It couldn't be any clearer. So when we look at the words of Yeshua, Jesus himself, 
from Matthew chapter 25, verse 31, we have to understand the context. He says, when the Son of Man comes in his glory and all the holy angels with him, when we, he will sit on the throne of his glory and all the nations will be gathered before him and he will separate them one from another as the shepherd divides his sheep and the goats. He's talking about the same judgment that Joel just spoke of. So Jesus himself will, will do the judging. And he will set up a sheep on his right hand and the goats on his left. And then the king will say to those on his right hand, Come, you blessed of my father, inherit the kingdom prepared for you from the foundation of the world. And begins to use language that we saw back in Genesis 12, 3. I will bless those who bless. I will curse those who curse. He says, For I was hungry, you gave me food. I was thirsty, you gave me drink. I was a stranger, and you took me in. I was naked, and you clothed me. I was sick, and you visited me. I was in prison, and you came to me. You know this passage very well. And then the righteous will say, When did we see you in all these conditions and do something? And Jesus says in verse 40, The king will answer and say to them, Assuredly, I say that as much as you did it to the one of the least of these, my brethren, you did it to me. The least of my brethren. I know we have used this passage to speak about helping the poor, and that is a righteous thing to do. But in the context of what Yeshua is speaking of, he's speaking of his literal brethren, the Jewish people, and the poorest of the poor of them, the least of these. And he goes on to say that if you don't do any of these things, depart from me. You're cursed. I will bless those who bless. I will curse those who curse. It couldn't be any clearer. And so I want to remind us all that this is something that our Messiah, our Lord and Savior, is expecting of us to act upon the, the plight of the Jewish people who are the least of these, his brethren. That is the context of this, this uh, commandment. All right, so I, I just want to share with you for a moment um, some of the things that have happened to our teams in this region, and then, and then we'll get back to um, uh, you know, doing, doing what we are called to do for them. But um, a story that came from, uh, two stories actually, we'll, we'll talk about, that came from our uh, field operations director, uh, Pat Frame. As the early teams went into Belarus in the early years, uh, they saw these signs pinned to trees. They had skulls on them and, and the warning, danger. Um, and, and this was due to the Chernobyl accident in 1986. You see, the wind from the, the Chernobyl, the, the, the day that, that that accident happened, and then apparently the days after, the wind blew toward Belarus. And so as you drive through the forest in Belarus, you'll find these signs pinned to trees because the trees have been known to spontaneously combust due to the high radiation levels. That's a scary thought and another reason why I believe we need to get his people out of this region. Um, another story about that same trip, riding through the forest, the teams, Pat recalls that they had been warned that gas stations were far and few between. And they knew this, but they thought they had enough diesel to get through to the next destination. They didn't. They ran out of gas in the, in the middle of nowhere. And it was during the uh, Easter celebration, the Russian Orthodox Easter came that year at the end of, of April. I think it was April 30th. 
And also this coincided with the festivals that come after the Victory Day and things of that nature that they celebrate in the early May. So they were hoping, even though there were no cars on the road because of the Easter um, holiday, they were hoping that military trucks might be present for the Victory Day celebrations that were coming. God had it happen that a truck was, a military truck did come through. They were out of gas. They flagged it down. So they, they, they were able to communicate with this Russian uh, military team and uh, told them that what, what was going on. One of the individuals from the truck said that they would give them the diesel fuel, but they, he, they first had to respond correctly to the words Christos Vaskres, which in Russian meant Christ is risen. And they were able to give the proper reply, yes, he is risen indeed. And they were given the diesel fuel that they needed to get, get out of the, their jam. So I, I tell you this story because I, it, it's interesting that God has his people in every country, and he also takes care of, of our teams in this way. Uh, they were able to, to move on. They got the diesel fuel they needed. Thank God. Um, so I asked the question, though, about the poorest of the poor Jewish people in Belarus. It's not what would Jesus do, it's what did he do. You know, I told you the poverty is, is uh, incredible in Belarus, and what should be our reaction? What would Jesus have done? In Romans chapter 15, verse 8, Paul says of Yeshua, and he calls him Jesus. Jesus. Uh, the verse in English is Jesus Christ. Now I say that Jesus Christ has become a servant to the circumcision for the truth of God to confirm the promises made to the fathers. So two things that we need to point out here. One, they became servants. He, Yeshua, became servants to his own people. He became a servant to his brethren. And he required, I believe, to emulate him, we must become servants to his brethren. We must aid them and abed, help them in their plight, become beside them and help them make Aliyah get out of the nation of Belarus and all the nations that they're in. And also to, to remind them of the promise God made to them, to Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob. He made a promise that they have a land, they'd have a land that they could call their own and that he would be God to them. So that's what our teams do. Often the Jewish people in these regions have never heard that they had the right to go home until we remind them. And so I will remind you of this. And in verse 27 of chapter 15, Paul also says, It pleased them indeed that they are debtors, for if the Gentiles have been partakers of their spiritual things, their duty is also to minister to them in material things. It is our duty. They are those who have been entrusted with the oracles of God. The Jewish people have brought us so much uh, the, the, uh, the, the, the writings, the prophets, uh, our Messiah himself. They've preserved the word of God so that we today can look, read it, study it, and know 
what to do. Like the sons of Issachar, know the signs of the times and know what to do. So I appeal to you now, once again, to go to our website, go to ezrainternational.org and see the work that we're doing. Read the stories of the Jewish people. Look into their eyes, their faces, just like the faces that I showed you before the Holocaust. We have people in these countries like Belarus who are facing anti-Semitism, who need our help. We need to get them home. So you can go to the website, see how you can do that. You can go to our donation button, give a one-time gift, or make a monthly pledge and give over the course of the, of, of the year and help Jewish people make it home. Would you do that? Would you go to our website right now and, and see how you can help? God bless you, and thank you for, for listening. Thank you for watching. I hope that you've, you've been gaining uh, the information you need from these programs. And uh, as you go to the website, you can and see, once again, how you can help some more. God bless you. Shalom. I hope to see you next time.